You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue on with our exclusive third watch coverage. We're into the only double header of season five. We're up to uh, episode 16. This one is called Family Ties Part One. First aired on the 27th of February, 2004. It was written by Siobhan Byrne O'Connor, directed by Brooke Kennedy. So a couple of uh, big names involved in this one and excited to talk about an episode which as i mentioned last week i thought was a lot worse than it was and it's actually not that bad uh my name is ben and we're gonna sit down like normal people and eat lasagna sounds like fun my name is darville and why can't i get a nice cup of coffee because i don't know why i was trying to come up with a fun comeback but clearly <laughs> i fail at life um yeah, this is a solid couple of episodes, actually. Again, I keep saying I thought this was worse than it was, but it's not that bad. Uh, it's not you know, overly brilliant, but I, I definitely think it has, these two episodes have their moments. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and I yeah, I especially love the... I really like the moments that we're going to get between uh, two particular characters in, the sec- in, the, in in this part and in the second part of it. It's yeah. very... Well done. I think too. Uh, I mentioned last week. I slightly remember the uh, the promos around this, and kind of I remember the the Channel Nine ones here in Australia, where they're kind of like you know it's all about family, and they kind of show the clips. Like I always remember the clip when Bosco and Mikey are talking, and he goes like, "What's this all about, Mikey?" Like they would always show that clip on the ads, and kind of it was all like you know Third Watch, it's all about family, and kind of like really, hence why it's called Family Ties, I guess. But uh, yeah, we get Charlie Day return uh, as well. We're gonna have a uh, fairly Biggish name guest star when it comes to uh, Bosco's brother, who, again, I'm very happy that they kept the same cast member for him because season three we had a bit of Michael Boscarelli, or was it season two? Yes, season three. Oh, I got season it right. three. Got it right this time. Yay, go me. Um, so yes. Anyway, so it kind of starts off. We've got a, a counselor woman here doing some follow up interviews. Uh, I guess with our uh, firehouse staff after what happened with Doc and kind of I like the way they set this we've got this woman sort of I guess sitting in front of a black background so each time we have these uh, interviews we sort of have just a plain black background which kind of adds a little bit of a you know difference to it um, and she's sort of mentioning how you know what happened Doc's was like a surrogate father to them and that this, he saw the destruction of his family so this is what he tried to help out with but kind of this is all um, shown with a few little flashback moments from what happened a week ago sort of in this. So it's kind of balanced here, the fact that I'm glad we get into, like, this cop story for the next two weeks, two episodes, I should say, and they don't completely forget about what happened with Doc. Like, this isn't right. this isn't post-Bobby's death. Like, you know, they kind of just, they still address it. So, um, yeah, I do like the fact that they do that. We've got this whole opening setup, though. Uh, we've got a great song, can I just point out, you know, for somebody who likes uh, dance music and electronic or EDM, as the kids call it these days, um, that we've kind of got this really great remix happening in the background, Out of Control by the Chemical Brothers. Uh, I do really like that uh, version of that song. But it's sort of all through this... Um, it's not really a montage, it's just a collection of scenes. Uh, we've got sort of a guy at a rave and he's spraying uh, monkeys on things and handing out pills down girls' bras. And uh, through this, we've got Bosco showing up to see his mum to have some dinner. We've also then got uh, Yokus at breakfast table or dinner table with Fred and the family. Um, and sort of, it's, there's conflict. So Bosco shows up for dinner. We see Mikey is there. Bosco gets ready to leave. 
Uh, and then Rose makes him stay to have some lasagna. And Fred has all of a sudden gone from being madly in love with his wife to, hey, we should get something signed so you don't have to work, to absolutely hating his wife and being super angry that she's going back to work and that basically says to Emily and Charlie that your mother's going to die tomorrow, essentially. So, uh, good luck. I wanted to choke him. But I want to point out something here, that at this dinner table, we have a new Charlie, but, but, Darvell, this is the first time I've ever noticed this before. I knew we would get a new Charlie, because sort of in season six, he's someone different. But, like, we actually have three Charlies, because this guy... What? He's only in it for one episode because then we have another Charlie uh, coming back next season. So, like, go figure. So this guy who plays this Charlie is a guy called Bobby Moat who literally has, like, one line when he's like, what, like, mum's going to die or whatever it is. The only time we will ever see him. So previously, of course, we had Jeremy Bergman who played him for 26 episodes, Little Charlie. And then next season for two episodes, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, they're like the final two episodes, or at least at the very end, uh, we have somebody called Mick Hazen playing Charlie. So yeah, lost in all of this, we have a third Charlie that's completely forgotten about. Bobby Moats, Darvell Stewart. Can't say I've heard of him. No, I can't say either. Looking at his, uh, IMDB profile, uh, he, this was his last thing he ever acted in. Before that, he was in a short film called Love Gets You Twisted. And previously to that, he was in a movie called A Cool Dry Place, which, uh, starred Vince Vaughn and Monica Potter. So, there you go. And Devin Sawyer. Wow, that's a name from the 90s. Chris Bauer actually apparently was also in A Cool Dry Place. So there you go. And Skip Suddeth. Wow, alright. Okay, You can see where he's been cast from. He knows Skip and he knows Chris Bauer. So, there you go. A random movie from the 90s starring two of our third watch people. Three, if you count the random Charlie. So, okay. Maybe we need to do a a rankings at the end of all of our third watch episodes, Darvell. Who was your favourite Charlie? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So, anyway, uh, so we've got all this sort of set up and, yeah, Fred... It just annoys me that they all of a sudden go for Fred being just so angry with everything. Like, it just, ugh. You can tell purely they're doing this because either Chris Bauer wanted to leave or they're wanting to write his character out. There's no other reason why they're doing this with his character. Like, it's plain and simple. Um, So, this whole drug scene where we've got, like, outside the party, this guy um, gets shot. Um, he's on the phone, he's kind of like, come on bro, come on bro, and you know, the drive-by shooting. We have our credits, Michael Beach is no longer on the credits, so, uh, sad moment, uh, there as well, just to point that out. We've got Carlos as the first one, uh, being grilled by this woman, um, he's, again, none of them want to talk except for Holly, essentially, um, and, yeah, I do kind of like the, the reason here that uh, she sort of questions him about dropping out of med school, and he says, Doc was the reason I dropped out. If it was good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little moment there, kind of with Carlos admitting that. Uh, we've got Yokus back with Bosco. Uh, we find out that Munro has got 30 days with no pay for her role in what happened with Doc a week ago. Um... And then as when, she should, yeah, 
fair point. Like, you know, again, she's got to get punished for doing something like that. Uh, and Cruz and Dade, Dade is back on the scene, uh, show up to find this body of this guy that we uh, saw get shot earlier. And I do love this dog walker guy who's kind of like, I found him. I think he's dead. Is he dead? And I love the way Dade is just kind of like, yeah, he's dead. Definitely. Um, so <laughs> they're sort of going over... Uh, the scene here, they find that he's got some ecstasy next to him and Cruz pulls out a very modern-looking fancy camera to take a picture of what we see is a dolphin uh, on the wall. A dolphin has been painted over a monkey, so they've never seen dolphins before. Uh, and then they're like, looks like a dolphin had a beef with a monkey. Uh, <laughs> great, great writing, uh, as we got there. Yeah. Uh, we've got Bosco in the car with Yokus. Bosco asking Yokus how the family is. She doesn't want to talk about anything personal. Bosco gets a phone call and it's from his brother Mikey saying that, uh, he's got something that he wants to talk to him about professionally. And then we go back to the scene with our dead body who just got shot in the drive-by. And who do we meet for the first time? Darvell's favourite character, Jelly Grimaldi. Um, I love Jelly. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I just love him. He's an asshole. You are correct. But just, I just love the way he comes, because he's just, it, it feels like to me, the writers of this show, or somebody at some point has said, like, hey, we've been on the air for, like, five and a half seasons, and we've never really had, like, a true New Yorker on this show, like, stereotypical New Yorker, and this to me is just Jelly Grimaldi, he's just this stereotypical New York cop, like, this detective, like, if you were writing an NYPD Blue or some sort of New York cop show... And you want to have a stereotypical New Yorker, this is who you got. Like Danny Reagan, to me, is a, you know, he's got that New York accent and kind of that New Yorker style about him. So. Yeah. Not as pronounced, though. No, definitely not. Like Jelly is a walking, talking stereotype when it comes to a New York detective. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I love, <laughs> like, in all fairness, like, I will say, as much as I love his character, I think the introduction to Jelly. And I've said this a lot about how kind of like this is transitioning into what we get in season six. I think this is it. This is the final part of this show, which this is a transition into season six. Cause Je- I, I think I said last week, I forgot Jelly was even in this season. So to me, Jelly is season six and this just reminds me of season six. So maybe this is why I think a lot of what I think of this episode as quote being bad or not being as good as I think. Cause I, I associate it with season six. So. It, it does kind of steer into a bit of cliche territory when it comes to this stereotypical character, which I will say, but I guess I just like the Jelly character because he has his moments, even though I guess it's a bit stereotypical, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I love his... <laughs> I love his nickname. I love that they call him Jelly because... <laughs> I don't know, somehow I just think it fits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, and... And the, I wonder if the guy who plays him is actually a is actually a New Yorker. Ah, oh, I have to say, I don't know. Joseph, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. Badalucho, Badaluco Junior. Um, he is best known for his role in the Invention of Lying, where he played Blue Collar Guy, uh, and apparently was in Godzilla, the '98 version, which we uh, covered last year on the Oz Network. So uh, there you go. But I mean, looking at his acting roles, like he's played. I think roles where you can kind of see why he's been in those roles. Like he was in the Sopranos. Uh, actually, no, actually I will correct myself. He wasn't an actor in the Sopranos. He was actually, uh, in the art department. So he's clearly known a lot more so for his, um, his behind the scenes work. He was though in the Sopranos. I will correct myself. He played a guy called Jimmy Altieri for eight episodes, which again, you can see him as somebody who would be 
in The Sopranos. Um, but through all his acting, Third Watch is the most prominent, like, the most consistent role he had. He's in 22 episodes of Third Watch. Um, so the majority of which do come next season. So there you go. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a good actor. Um, but interesting to see here that, uh, yeah, he's mainly known for his roles as kind of in the art department. So that's an interesting little tidbit there. Uh, but yes, Jelly, everyone, round of applause to Jelly. Not really, but the fact that he's here, because like, you know, this is a real transition to what we're going to get in season six. But he shows up, you know, does a stereotypical line. Somebody's selling tickets here. Like, just, he's just, he's, he's a walking, talking cliche with his lines. He's always dropping one liners. Um, and he's basically, you know, like, you didn't touch my crime scene, did you? Uh, and I, I just, I love Cruz's play with Jelly, though. Like, I just kind of like... Yes. It's this guy, like, he's got a bit of a reputation, like, he's old school, and just kind of like, Cruz plays up to him, he's kind of like sucking up to him, he's kind of like, oh, I didn't touch your scene, you know, and all this sort of stuff, and, um, uh, works out that this guy was shot with a 45, 10 feet away, I love Dade, kind of says, repeats itself, and it's like, that's what I just said! Um, and so Cruz goes <laughs> off to go investigate and Jill's like, there's something you're not telling me. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's so funny. Uh, Bosco and Yoko show up to see Mikey. He's got a very souped up car. What is it? Like a 76 Charger <laughs> or something along those lines. 73. 73. Thank you. Um, he's got no expenses cause he's living with the old man. So this is how we can afford things like that. And I do like the way he calls, uh, Bosco Mo. I always like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Charlie Day. Charlie Day's a great actor. And, like, he's just got a... Yes. And I think we maybe mentioned this when he was on uh, a couple of seasons ago, but, I th- like, you believe they're brothers, which I think is good casting. Um, I think all of Bosco's family, you believe his family, because when we see his dad, like, holy crap, I think his dad looks like him. Um, so, yeah, I think all of the casting around Bosco's family has done very well, but... Uh, Mikey is telling, uh, Bosco and Yokus about an ecstasy ring run out of a, I guess, a Jewish jewelry store, uh, that they run it out with bicycles and kind of, uh, send it out to all the different parties. Uh, and he sort of, Mikey's saying, I'm clean now, I want to help out. I'm getting my six month coin tonight, so you should come along. Um, so, you know, setting it all up there, I guess, for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut back to Holly getting counseling from the woman. And I love Holly kind of just, you know, sort of talking about how the fact that she was meant to help, uh, you know, I was the reason why I was slower that morning. I usually bound up the stairs, but this time I was slower. Um, and she starts questioning her about, do you believe in souls? And she says about how her and Doc knew each other in a past life or something like that. So, I mean, look, it's not stuff I believe in, but I'm not going to talk down on it because I just think it fits in well with the Holly character, and I think kind of it... it she says it herself, doesn't she, Darvel? She's quirky. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, she says what we already know. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. I mean, and you have to wonder what's going through this woman's head as she's questioning Holly and getting these and getting these answers. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I like this woman, this counsellor woman, um, because I think kind of she, she does a good job at kind of trying to express her meaning. And you can understand, like, why these people don't, like, why Carlos and Kim don't want to talk to her. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think she does a good job of balancing this. You know, she's kind of... You, you sympathise with her that she's only trying to do a job, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Although I don't like how she sounds on the... When she's recording... When she's recording herself or... Because... You know, at the, at the beginning when she's when she's recording herself and it's it's just her you hear. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I can only assume that's what she's doing because in that she sounds really sounds really flat, you know, really monotone like. Yeah, I agree. It's it's almost like a narration. Like I think she needs people to work off. Like I yeah, I completely agree. There is something about that, but um. Yeah, outside of that, I think she uh, she does her role good. And again, I like kind of this editing that they yeah. do around the black screen and kind of just her, you know, having these characters talk uh, behind that as well. Um, Bosco and Yokus are outside waiting at this jewelry store. Bosco's sick of waiting. He says we should go back and write a report. And um, Yokus is like, "What's you've changed. Like, since when do you want to write reports? And um, doesn't want... Yoko doesn't want this to go back to Cruz. She wants this to sort of be their sting. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of Cruz, we meet uh, Sergeant Laura Wynn for the first time, played by Marsha Strasman. So you're saying she's no longer with you? Are correct? Yeah, died in 2014. Wow. Okay, did not know that. Um, best known probably for playing Diane in the Honey I Shrunk the Kids franchise. So, oh, I love those movies. A long time since I've seen that. She did a voice in Our Real Monsters. That was one of my favourite shows growing up. Uh, she was in Providence. I used to watch that show. Um, it was one of her very last roles. She was in Rika, a movie called Rika after this, then in a TV show called 20 Good Years, and she was in a TV movie called Looking for Mr. Right in 2014 uh, before she died. She was 66 when she died, so she would have been 56 in this episode. She looks good for her age. That's all I can say. She does not look like she's 56. But, um, again, as I said before, like, I always forget that they try and make her as prominent as she is. But, uh, I mean, she's in at least, what, four episodes, isn't she? Three episodes? Um, she's in most of the last, most of the last episodes of this season. Yeah. So, if not all of them. Well, she's, what, uh, Sergeant from Narcotics a lot better than yes. uh, Taxi and Limousine and uh, all the other great little... And moral... and <laughs> Moral... Moral... Decency. Whatever that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> moral prudeness. Let's call it that. Moral prudeness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Cruz talking with her. Uh, she's never heard of the, uh, the dolphin uh, thing <clears throat> before, I guess. Uh, so, she's kind of new to this as well. Um, and she sort of mentions about the monkeys there being bad news, so kind of shows the photo of the dolphin over the monkey saying, like, that's not good, like, you know, this crew's bad news. Uh, we're back with Bosco uh, and Yokus. We see a couple of guys coming out of the building, and then we see a guy leaving with the bicycle, so they're going to follow this guy with the bicycle. Crew's talking to Jelly, telling him about the uh, tablets. I always love whenever Jelly's here having a cup of coffee, he pours, like, a hundred, you know... Million, I don't know how you measure sugar. Teaspoons of sugar, essentially pouring it from this cup. It's so great. Um, Damn. And uh, talking to him about it, I, I love that line from Jelly when he's like, "Monkey faces and dolphins. I gotta retire." <laughs> oh yes. Oh man. <laughs> so they kind of come to the conclusion about who was this guy talking to on the phone when he was shot. Their dead body. So they're going to try and find out. Uh, Bosco and Jokic pulling out this guy. I love this guy on the bike. Like, he's just... he's He does his role of, I guess, being, like, dickhead on the bike so well. And I just kind of love this scene, the way Jokic is kind of like, you're in two stop signs. The same rules apply to bicycle riders as they do for uh, cars. And, uh, you know, keeps answering the question uh, with questions. And she's just like, you're annoying me. You're answering the question with a question. And just, I love Bo- Bosco, the way he's just kind of standing there with his smile on his face. And this guy's just kind of like... Hi. And Bosco's like, hi. Uh, 
<laughs> and it's like, oh, that's a nice bicycle you got there. Where'd you get it? He's like, uh, I, it was, uh, uh, it was on Christmas Day. Oh, really? Right under the tree from Santa? <laughs> so, and then Yoko's Hey, got, I got a bicycle for Christmas one year. I ran a fact about myself. I don't know how to ride a bike. There you go. There's a fun story for you. What? That's a whole other story. Um, so Yokis comes back from the car and realizes that he's got some warrants for his arrest, so they're going to take him back to the station. And I love this guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, let's go back to the station. Um, and I just, I love this moment when like Yokis is here talking to this guy, talking to him about the judge and how he's going to get things signed off. And Bosco's just playing with this bike, like banging it and like jumping it up and down. And I just love this guy. He's kind of like, what are you doing? That's my bike. I don't like people playing with it. Can you leave it alone? It's not that hard. Um, and then essentially Bosco's kind of like, what's this? It's loose. And then he pulls out like a tube with a bunch of tablets in it. Uh, and then he's like, what's this one? This one's loose too. And all the tablets like just fall on the ground. And I just love the reaction from this guy. And he's like, uh, that's not my bike. They must have switched it. Uh, so <laughs> what are we going to call this guy? Bike guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can call him bike guy. He's better than I mean, me. he, what's funny about him is <laughs> the guy is clearly not all there. I don't think. Well, I think maybe he, maybe he, maybe he took some of those tablets himself. Who knows? Yeah, I think kind of. I don't know if he's like completely not all there. I think he's there. I think he's just trying to act all innocent. He's just kind of, you know, not expecting to be caught. So I, he's just a messenger. But um, oh, he's yeah. funny. I like him. I like this guy, bike guy, um, bike he, guy. Who he, played him? Uh, <laughs> Ooh, what, what, is his, what is his name? Is his name Stephen Haynes? That's his name, isn't it? Because we do hear his name. Uh, yeah, yes. I think- Adam mm-hmm. Nee plays him, um, best known for Band of Robbers, where he played Tom Sawyer. Um, he's a lot. Okay. He's involved in that uh, show Drunk History. Um, so he was apparently in an episode of Dawson's Creek, Sex in the City. Uh Law and Order, CSI, all the regular ones that you kind of get a, a guest role on. So, yeah, hasn't necessarily gone on to do huge things, but he's still kind of doing his thing, I guess. Um, Kim, yeah. Kim being questioned, <clears throat> she's sort of saying that how she felt numb throughout the whole thing. And, um, yeah, it was such a, it's a... This is, a, I think, the most powerful scene out of all of them. We, we find out that Doc is at Bellevue under Suicide Watch that he won't talk to anyone. So I do like the fact that they fit in a little update about Doc, because I think that's important. We want to know what happened to him. So he's uh, under yeah. suicide watch at, a, I guess, a mental hospital. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm glad that's where they that's where they put him, because he the man should not the man should not be in prison. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, the one thing I will say about that is that, like, when Sully said last week about how he's like, you know, I'll be there with you every step of the way, kind of would have been nice to kind of just get some sort of line at some point about Sully going to visit him. Um, you know, like, we don't necessarily have to see him, but, like, you know, just sort of a line, like, from Sully saying, like, you know, I'm going to visit Doc or something like that. Like, I, I, I want to believe that he did go visit him and kept you his word, but it just would have been nice to kind of have that, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah. just that moment when Kim sort of says, like, you know, he had this look in his eye and I just did not want him to, to kill himself. Not here. I did not want to be witness to this man killing himself, you know, and then just that line she says at the end, like he had nobody, you know, we were all, he had nobody but us and we all let him down. It's like, wow. Um, and it's so true. Like he's, I'm not saying they let him down, but it's so true that he had nobody left but them. So 
Yeah, it's it's powerful. So um, yeah, you know, Kim Raver sells this scene very very well. Um, we have she's especially good with those emotional scenes. I've noticed. Yeah, exactly. Completely agree. Not when she's like crying like a goat or whatever it was, or a sheep. <laughs> Bobby's gone, mom. Bobby's gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you you said she sounded like a goat. Did I? Uh, I knew there was some sort yeah. of farmyard creature. Uh, <laughs> that's but mean. the crying so after mean. that after that initial thing really sells it. Yeah, I feel so mean saying that and making fun of that scene, but um, you know what I mean, right? Come on, she does sound yeah. like a goat. <laughs> Bobby's gone, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You're a dick. <laughs> I am a dick. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, we've got Bosco and uh, Yokus with uh, the DA. She's back. Um, I was see. I get the DA confused with Sergeant Wings. They kind of almost look very similar. So uh, maybe <coughs> I get them. But I like the DA, uh, Diane Mann. Who did we establish? Is that Donald Mann's daughter? Did we establish this already? Uh, no, and I don't think, I don't think anything about that is ever mentioned. We only know about Donald Mann's son. Well, it was actually, you know, it's not, because it's interesting here. I'm just looking at the credits. So, she's in two more episodes after this. So, previously, she's always known as Diane Mann, but from this, after this episode, so she's in In Plain View and Higher Calling, she's known as, actually, no, hang on. In Plain View, she's known as Diane McCann, and then in Higher Calling, she's known as Diane Mann again. So... Very third watch, they forget someone's name. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, did did they change her name deliberately so that you wouldn't associate her with man? But, um... Well, there is a saying out there, drug dealers raise cops, even though she's not a police officer. But, um, I mean, it's entirely possible that Donald Mann could have had a daughter who became a prosecutor, although... That wouldn't really help him. Why do I just have a weird feeling that it's mentioned or something's mentioned about her being his daughter? Like, I just randomly feel that's mentioned. Like, Well, perhaps we'll see in the next few episodes. Maybe I'm just having one of these bed moments where I'm assuming something and I'm wrong. But you know what they say about assuming something? It makes an ass out of you and me. There we go. I had to say it. Well, um, well, we'll see. We'll so see. The DA basically showing up and saying that uh, it was good work with Bosco and that... And that uh, that's what it's about a quarter of a million dollars worth of uh tablets isn't it um yep something along those lines and we haven't actually heard that found out that but yeah that's going to come later but i'm for doing that um the swirsky comes in and bosco says that they want involved in the raid for the rest of these tablets i do like the way swirsky's kind of like what about yokus she kind of walks in and just says yes and then bosco's like i was going to say yes and she's like i know you were um, and then we've got this big planning for the raid that they're going to take down this Jewish jewelry store. Uh, and I love this moment here when Cruz comes in. He's kind of like, why wasn't I told about this? Uh, and kind of like, oh, you know, sorry, this, you know, all came about so really quickly. And then I love how, uh, Sergeant Weed is basically like, we got to roll. And then I love the way Yokus turns to Cruz and is like, we got to roll. Like, you know. <laughs> I love how they can play this tension yeah. between the two of it randomly into the episode and just kind of keep that up. So. I think it's important to make it known still because what we're going to get ultimately in, uh, you know, the first episode of next season and kind of like those early parts of next season. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's still important to build up the crew's Yokus hatred of each other. Uh, they get ready to, uh, go into the raid. 
I love how kind of Bosco was like, you're ready, and then he's about to say something, and then Bosco was just like, if you tell me to be careful, I'll hurt you. Um, <laughs> oh, man, we love Yokus. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, Cruz is uh, questioning this other guy about uh, the Dolphins um, and sort of uh, trying to sort of get some stuff from him. And then the cops break into the uh, Jewish jewelry store and then they find the bags filled with drugs. And this is where I should say um, they turn around and say the street value is worth a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, they sort of mention that there won't be any monkeys on the street anymore. <laughs> we have a random scene yeah. sort of thrown in here of another rave where we've got this fishnet stocking guy, spider web guy on his head saying, like, swim with the dolphins, baby. Um, so, you know, there's that. Uh, Bosco saying to Yoka that he didn't initially believe Mikey, but now he does. We have a montage. It's, uh, Huberstank, The Reason. Um, that's a decent song, but, um, Huberstank, are you a Huberstank fan? Wait, is that the, I'm trying to remember what song that is. I'm not going to sing it. It's, you, you would know it. Like it's, I mean, the only song in this episode, I guess. <laughs> um... Yeah, Found aside from the one that. The reason for me, the reason I had is you, and the reason. Oh, is that the. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the. Oh, wait, no, maybe that's the next episode, the. I'm not a perfect person. Oh, yeah, this, that's the song. Yeah, yeah, that's the right song. You oh, are right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, like, yeah, I do remember that song, but I never. I can. I never quite remember who sang it but i do remember when that song came out Huberstank, what a name um whatever happened to them Huberstank. <laughs> they probably quit they probably quit after that song came out. literally when you type in Huberstank, the first thing that comes up with is a reason i mean it was a one-hit wonder if there was anyone uh they've apparently been around since 1994 so it took them 10 years to get a hit song basically um so they've apparently sold 10 million albums worldwide what um, did they buy them themselves? Uh, <laughs> no I mean, idea. that song isn't bad. Oh, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad song. It's just, yeah, they released their sixth album, Push Pull, uh, on May 25th, 2018. So, good for you. Well. Uh, seventh album, I yeah. should say. Sorry, Hoobastank fans, don't troll me. I'm sorry that I got your band's our discography wrong. <laughs> what do you call a Hoobastank fan? A Hooberwank? Like, no, that's a bit inappropriate. <laughs> I don't know. No idea. Um, but yeah, this montage, I guess we've got uh, Mikey at his uh, uh, meeting, his mum and dad show up. Uh, we've got Yoka's coming home, Fred getting angry and leaving, Bosco showing up to the meeting, Yoka's hugging Emily, Mikey getting an applause, uh, and then kind of a cut, cuts to the end of the meeting, Bosco sees his dad and he's kind of like, you know, hey, dad, long time. Um, first time we kind of see Bosco's dad, I guess, properly, besides the back of mm-hmm. his head in a taxi. Different <laughs> actor, but I guess kind of like at the same time and Bosco's dad in the taxi, we never really saw his face. Um, and again, Bosco's dad looks like him. I think kind of they've done some good uh, casting with him there as well. Uh, Vincent Curatola is his name. Uh, so that is Mike, uh, sorry, Anthony Boscarelli. Uh, they all go out for a steak dinner. Uh, oh, I love a good steak. 
Yep, at like one o'clock in the morning. But I guess as New York is, uh, it's nothing ever closes. Uh, sitting in the sleeps. Uh, we've got cruising jelly, uh, crew, uh, jelly pouring more sugar into a cup. We find out that the person the guy was talking to on the phone is dun, 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 Michael Boscarelli, plot twist. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's clearly going to set some things up with that. Um, mm-hmm. Kim, a bit of a, a, a narration here from the council lady saying about how, you know, Kim, like many, wasn't, you know, returned to war. Uh, she worked on 9-11 uh, after suffering her own breakdown. I kind of like how they, uh, you know, fit that back into the uh, storyline. We've got some random shots of Kim and Carlos uh, and then talking about Carlos as well. And essentially uh, she's saying that, you know, they, they need some help. They need us, uh, an avenue to discuss this or they may never recover. Um, so they're kind of, you know, thrown in there a little bit. I'm, I'm really rushing through this episode, folks. I hope you don't yeah. mind. Uh, Cruz banging on Bosco's door, um, sort of, you know, asking about where his brother is and she tells him about the phone call and that how she believes that uh, Mikey is involved in the dolphins and that how would he get rid of the, the monkeys by using his brother, who's a cop, to do a raid on them and sort of Bosco is saying like, you know, that's not true. He's clean. He got his chip last night. Cruz says, I got 17 of them from my sister. Um, and yeah, back and forth. I do, I do love this scene because like, I think the acting is great. And kind of, you know, as always, Jason Wilde and Tia are hard to play well off each other. Like I like that moment when Bosco's trying to talk, Cruz interrupts her and he just yells at her. It's like, let me finish. Um, and then it kind of ends. Cruz leaves and Bosco smashes a, a glass against the wall. So he's basically found out that Mikey's lied to him. He's played him and that this whole thing was a setup so that, uh, Bosco could help him get some other drugs off the street. But I also really like that line from Cruz when she says, like, I see why you never brought me here. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add on this, but like, it's, it's a great scene. I think no. like, they, they do bounce off each other really, really well. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I like this moment. Uh, I appreciate the scenes when we get these two going off at each other because, you know, we don't get a lot of them, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, we've got Yokus uh, on the couch. She wakes up. Fred comes out and is going to work. He's like, you can go sleep in the bed now. Um, and uh, Yokus wants to talk, and Fred is like, you know, uh, you want it, you won't listen to what I have to say. Um, so yeah, uh, it's kind of, uh, this stuff's annoying me. I don't know. Like, what's your take on Fred being like this all of a sudden? Man, he, he's the, he is the, I mean, Fred was a, Fred was a bit of a dick before, before this uh, before season four, like he he was kind of like that back in season one as well. Yeah, but this but this is that multiplied. It's just recycled you know? again. It's kind of like as we complained a lot about like this whole Fred getting annoyed at what his like wife does, and it's kind of like when do you cut the woman some slack, Fred? Like we get it, you're not happy, but like. I guess you can argue you understand because he's finally an out for Yokus, like she's been injured, she can take disability and all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not her fault that the doctors have cleared her back for duty. And yeah, okay, he's found a doctor that can lie and say not. But I don't know, it's just... it just yeah. I, 
Fred pisses me off at this point. Like, I've always liked Fred. I've always liked that character. But from this point on, I have no redeeming qualities for Fred because he's basically turned into a dick who finally is like, fuck you, I'm not going to do anything about this. And I'm just going to say it right now, he ends up cheating on Yokus. So there you go. I'm spoiling it. Yeah, and... Yeah, that and he... I mean, surely he... Surely... And it, it really shows that... I don't think he knows Faith as well as he would like to think he does because when he was going on about, you know, take disability, you can you can lead, you can take disability and all that, Faith would have never done that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, it's just, it is what it is. We're going to talk more about Fred along the way, I guess, but... To me, they just wanted... What they do with the direction with Season 6 with Yokus is they kind of wanted her to be her own beast and not have to have family to worry about. I think that's kind of what happens to it. Like, they feel they've done the Yokus family storyline, so how are we going to do that? It's just, let's make Fred leave her. Like, I don't know. I just... I'm not a fan of it. Um, after having yeah. to, after having to really sit through a lot of this for four and a half seasons, and, like, mostly good stuff, except for the Emily crap, but, like, you know, it's just... Uh, it's just almost like it's a complete waste of time, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, <clears throat> Bosco shows up at the end. Uh, at the end, sorry. At uh, his dad's house, who's got a very nice house. Um, and essentially is going around and trying to find Mikey. Um you know, where's his room? I'm gonna, and he starts tossing the place. And this is one thing I think which is good what they do with Bosco's dad is we do get sort of an inkling of that he is this violent man that, you know, he's prone to, to violence when, you know, pissed off and kind of, he keeps telling Bosco to stop it, leave it alone, leave it alone. And then he just yells at him. I said, leave it alone and grabs Bosco. And kind of there's this awkward moment between the two. And Bosco is kind of just like, hey, I know what you're about to do. Like, fuck you. Um, and then he tells I don't him, even try it. Yeah, he tells his dad, like, he's been dealing ecstasy as a drug dealer dad. Um, and, yeah, he's basically like, I fell for it, people don't change. Uh, and then kind of he has that line, doesn't he, when he says, like, you made me believe that we're family, you know, you guys keep saying that, but you don't know what it means. He's like, I'm my own family. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit of a strong <clears throat> line, which I guess he's telling the truth in some way, isn't he? In some ways, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll kind of close it out here with Cruz questioning, uh, one of the Jewish guys, uh, from the jewelry store who, you know, he's, she sort of basically gets him to talk at the end by saying like, you know, these people brought shame in your community. Have you seen the newspapers today? Uh, so Cruz and Dade show up to outside of this rave. We've got the creepy fishnet spider guy out the front. Um, a 1973 charger pulls up and hands some drugs. So Cruz and Dade follow this car and uh, sort of Cruz is like, let's go meet Michael Boscarelli, which that line kind of annoys me because you're kind of implying that Cruz has never met this guy before. Did we not have a season ago Cruz saying that she's pulled up Bosco's brother a couple of times? Like, she's met Michael I don't Bosco. recall. She, she definitely did because they were talking about it when, like, at one point uh, Bosco says to Cruz, like, Hey, yeah, my brother's got some drug drug problems, and Cruz says, like, yeah, I pulled him up a couple of times. So Cruz has met Michael Boscarelli before. Um, but they pull this car up, and Dade walks up to the window. Cruz kind of hangs back a little bit, and Cruz sort of is a bit skeptical of the situation. He's like, hey, just back off. And then a machine gun comes out, blows Dade to bits, and then and then Cruz is ten thirteen, ten thirteen, officer down, to be continued. Now. 
I realise Dane's wearing a vest, but come on, this guy's taken about three rounds to the chest from an Uzi. There's no way he's surviving that. I know he dies, spoiler alert, for the next episode, but, like, he doesn't die from that. Like, his guts are everywhere, vest or no vest. I'm sorry, he's dead. Yep. Yeah. Although don't, although don't most of the, don't most of them hit his vest? Yeah, but again, that's my point. Like, a, a bulletproof vest can only stop a certain amount. Like, if you are to fire at a bulletproof vest with a, uh, automatic machine gun, after a while, it's going to eventually cave. Like, you know, it's kind of like bulletproof glass. It can only take a f- certain amount of bullets before eventually it will smash. So, yeah, like, I, I just, I just feel this is kind of like the ambulance scene in Crime and Punishment where it's like, dude, no one's surviving that. <laughs> um, so, anyway. Uh, that's Family Ties Part 1. Darvell, unless you've got anything to add, what are we doing with this episode? What are you doing with this episode, I should say? Um, I am going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this one. I, although it's agree. a relative, although it's a, kind of a middle buy. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you there at all. Um, I think it's still a strong enough episode to buy again. I think it's a lot better than I ever gave it credit for. Uh, I've ranked this, uh, 65th out of 105 episodes. That's including part two that we're about to do as well. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a bit lower below the middle for me, but I'm just realizing here out of 105 episodes that I've ranked, 75 of them are buys. So, you know, a lot of buys are going below the halfway point just because I'm buying a lot of episodes. So yeah, there you go. Uh, Family Ties Part 2 will be doing next. I don't think we really need to add anything because people who are listening to this are going to listen to that episode straight away, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So uh, we will conclude everything that's happening. Uh, got some good moments in that episode as well. So tune in for that. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe. All the relevant channels. You know what to do, ladies and gentlemen. But in the meantime, my name is Ben. And if you tell me to be careful, I will hurt you. <laughs> I'm not convinced. My name is Darvell, and hey, see you back here for part two. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.